I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. everyone it is wednesday night donomite don tony here november 13th 2019 i don't want to tease anybody out there but i am not alone i have someone that's going to join me for just a couple of minutes for a few reasons but tonight i have the privilege to have with me anthony missouri thomas happy birthday happy birthday Yes, I'm uh, I'm I'm double twenty one right now. So forty two. Wow, wow, forty two, man. Years are flying by before you know it. You know, 50, 60, 70, 80. <laughs> All right, hold on now. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, look, I don't know why haters. I could see haters tuning into Monday because maybe they listened to my coast instead of me. But I don't know why haters would tune into Wednesdays when it's usually just me going solo. But if anybody that's been following you and I on Breakfast Soup and Wednesday Night Dynamite, I mean, uh, almost everything that we have called so far has happened to the T. From, you know, the fact that even little incidentals that we were ripping this win-loss record in AEW and we said... Don't don't be surprised if this gets dramatically tweaked by the end of the year and boom, Nick Jackson tells everyone over the weekend, oh, no, 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 no. At the end of the year, the win-loss are going to be reset, you know, because you can't, uh, come on, you can't reset wins and losses. You could have streaks. You know, this isn't a, a, a seasonal. This isn't football. I don't know why Tony Khan is doing press conferences after pay-per-views. <laughs> This isn't a fucking Rams game where the owner decides to comment after. Where are the wrestlers doing the press conferences like New Japan does probably better than anybody right now? Dude, I will actually give AEW a couple of points on this one. I I think it's, it's a little wrong to do it so early, but man, it makes wins and losses mean more if they reset them every year. Oh, I because, agree because you have because people who really develop. Attention. Right. But then you're really paying attention and resetting wins and losses also. Right. It shakes up the entire roster because then people aren't stuck in the main event. I, because I, now 
I yeah. agree. But, you know, I always take very close note at words. And I love how Nick Jackson clarified, clarified, you wait four months to clarify it? How's about a fucking tweet four months ago when people are talking about it? Clarify. How's about, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know, Pac has really got an impressive record right now. Why is he, is he not vying for, oh, we only have a month left in a year. So in January, everybody is, oh, and oh, it's a new season. We don't have to debate. Ah, Jesus Christ. But, um, hey, look, I'm not shitting on AEW, but... I love how people can be cutesy with their words and get away with it. And you know what? Hey, they entertain us. I guess we give them a little bit of a pass, you know? Sure. Like I said, I'm I'm all for the idea of making this seasonal. Yes. If wrestling is going to be seasonal, I'm I'm okay with that. I think, you know, that's one of the benefits of of having like a favorite ball club, you know, basketball, baseball, football, whatever, soccer. You know, even if they have a horrible losing season, you know that there's always next year. Right. And with wrestling, well, with WWE and, and uh, majority of wrestling, we don't have that. You stand behind your guys until they make the championship, they, they win the title, and then they lose the title eventually. Or, God forbid, they get hurt, you yes, know, or taken yes. off a of TV for a reason. Mm -hmm. But with this, it almost feels like there's an opportunity, you know, to do something with those wins and losses. Like, it's... There's fantasy sports leagues for everything but wrestling. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is fantasy wrestling, you know, betting for like pay-per-views and stuff where right. you know, who's going to win or loss. But just the idea that now you can actually build up a roster based upon who you think is going to win or lose this year. That's just, I don't know. Yeah. That's a whole new dynamic that they're, they're tiptoeing, tiptoeing on and considering that they have all these little, uh, Las Vegas titles for all their pay-per-views and yes, stuff. Yes, absolutely, oh. absolutely. Um, everyone out there, if you have not listened to our AEW Full Gear pay-per-view recap yet, you're really missing on an absolute gem. Mish and I did two hours, and we really, we didn't just get into matches. We talked about a lot of aftermath analysis, and uh, you're really missing a good good show, but... Um, you know, here in New York, in our neck of the woods, we had an indie wrestler die tragically. I got into the specifics Saturday night, uh, Matt Travis. And, you know, I got to give AEW some props. And I have one very big criticism about AEW tonight. Uh, one is more opinion. One is just absolute, you know, just stupidity production. But I have to give them props because next week, looks like next week it's going to be Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party. And this is going to be pretty much a tribute match to Matt Travis. Uh, kudos AEW for acknowledging Matt Travis. And, and for those that aren't aware of it, you know, Santana and Ortiz and Private Party, they wrestled in House of Glory. And that's pretty much where Matt Travis is, well, most known here in my neck of the woods. And Private Party and Santana Ortiz actually wrestled each other for the eight HOG tag titles two years ago. So they yes. do have history together, and they um, they did not disappoint two years ago. Now, you add two more years of seasoning, especially for Private Party, it's going to be a great match. And I thought that was pr uh, pretty classy on behalf of them to, to acknowledge that. I really thought it was. Nice. Yeah. Now, the one criticism I had with AEW tonight, really two, I don't know how you feel about it, but 
I know they did it towards the beginning of hour two, but in my opinion, the biggest storyline to come out of AEW was not the controversy about the hardcore match. And kudos for AEW for not, you know, bowing down to the trigger yes. and the snowflakes. God bless them. That God- was important too. Me and you talked about that. And that was an important thing was let's make sure that Tony Khan doesn't start apologizing for what happened. And, you know, we're very sorry and that'll never happen again. I'm, I'm glad they did not do that. Yeah. It's very God bless Jim Ross did an interview with Sports Illustrated, and he said he loved that match. He says this is not a one-dimensional company. You know, he didn't come out and talk about props, you know, the props that were used, you know, the, the gimmick stuff. But, you know, he said it was a different match to call. He loved it. He gives mad praise to both guys. And, you know, like I said on Monday with Kev, I, I, I think – Moxley fucking and Omega enjoyed every minute of it. And I could even get past the special effects scars on Omega's back today, which will miraculously be healed in a week or two. I mean, did you see that tonight? Mm-mm. Would have made Sabu scars look like nothing. Paper cuts. You got to see it. It was like oozing and eyeing. You had all this guts and stuff coming out of it like two really i mean just a spec i could oh, get past cody's that face? yeah it looked like he had the rock eyebrow no no no, no i'm not telling cody's face was real oh. but omega they did a, oh. a close-up of his back and his back they had two particular scars that it just my god i mean when you watch like forensic files and someone is like stabbed terribly this looked worse i mean it was just you know special effects, makeup. But the one problem I had with AEW tonight, really two. Uh, One is just an opinion, but the biggest storyline coming out of the pay-per-view was the fact that Cody cannot wrestle for the AEW heavyweight title anymore, even though that will change. I think AEW is going to get a quote-unquote commissioner soon that's going to overturn it because of the things around it. There's going to be some stipulation added to a match. But, would that be would that be the guy uh, Coney Tom? Uh, you know he says he's not going to be an on air character, motherfucker. You did a press conference, you know, in character, out of character, and and you know what? Look, he did it for all of the podcasters and journalists that went to the show live. A lot of them on their own dime. So I really can't fault Tony Khan for that, but. You know, you hear his name dropped a couple of times already. You know, it's only a matter of time this guy's going to be on TV. But the biggest storyline is right now is Cody can't wrestle with the title anymore. That should have opened up uh, uh, Dynamite tonight. But mm-hmm. instead, you know, we get Moxley, which I love this promo. And yes, Darby Allen accepted the challenge later on to fight him next week. But he cuts a promo challenging someone in the back nobody's music hits. So challenge not accepted tonight. And then he goes and has a two, three minute match. And then that's it. It's like, wait, you don't open up with Cody or MJF and just continue. I mean, it it, it began around the second hour, but still like, I just didn't get that. But the thing that I had the biggest problem with tonight, and I invite anybody out there to go back and watch it. And I, I'm going to be t- just a, just just an opinion show for the most part. Yes, it covered news, but you know I was very critical 
of the amount of offense that Marco Stunt got on the Lucha Brothers. All right, I know Jericho and everybody's mother tried to defend it. It's You can't compare it to Ray because Ray was revolutionary in fucking 93. What Marco Stunt does, 500 other wrestlers do also. But tonight, AEW did no favors for that man, that man boy, third grader, child, whatever you want to call him. Um, go back and watch it, everyone. Please go back, watch it. Watch the crowd. As you hear holy shit, as you hear Marco's name chanting, as you hear the cheers and everything, look at the crowd. Stoic on Xanax, no reaction whatsoever. Fans live at the show were commenting on how much they were shitting on this match. They piped in so much fake crowd reaction and chance. And you could see exactly, and you know this with production, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody in the back had a soundboard. And yeah. the soundboard is for his name, push this button. For a chant, push this button. Cheers, push this button. Booze, push this button. Others, push this button. Luchasaurus got real cheers and chants tonight. And he is obviously a star in the making. Future heavyweight champion, no doubt. But if you think that I'm wrong, when you heard the fans chanting for Darby Allin or anybody else tonight, you kept seeing AEW putting cameras on the crowd, panning the crowd, showing people's faces, reactions. Marco Stunt, they did not do it once. Why? Because the crowd was not into that match at all, those guys. They piped in so much fake shit tonight. That's what you're going to do to try to give this perception. It's going to backfire. Because it's the Seth Rollins theory. Seth Rollins could say all he wants that fans are fickle, but Monday they, you know, piped in all these cheers when he said he's the best in the world or whatever it was, or he, you know, he's the champ. Whatever he said is my yard, my my universe, whatever, and he got booed out of the building. Yeah. So they they did that tonight, and whoever did it did a terrible fucking job. Look at the crowd. And as you look into the crowd, listen to the audio. Does it match up? It was, it was harass. I don't think, in, in, and Nyla Rose, I don't think wow. they were prepared at all for her to get zero reaction. None. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, but I'll get into the results a little bit later because I know you're not staying on all that long. You and I have breakfast soup tomorrow on Patreon. Yes. So uh, we'll save a lot of, you know, the bullets for tomorrow. But if- I will ask, though, did you get a chance? I, I don't know if you're watching the main event at AEW or if you're watching NXT. I watched them both at the same time. That Mia Yeah. Oh, my God. An Io Shirai match was fan. Matter of fact, the rest of the night for NXT, I'll be honest, <clears throat> being, a, being more of an NXT guy, it was definitely a uh, it was OK at best. It was okay. The rest of the night was okay at best. Yeah. But Mia Yim and fucking Io Shirai went out there and killed each other. Let me ask you a question. Amazing. Mia Yim, I, I know some people don't like her, but she is one tough motherfucker. Oh, and yeah. not only did she take that ladder shot to the nose, but when she, she got thrown out of the ring, 
Yeah. And you heard she it. She made it on another fucking ladder. No, yeah, you thought she went through a table. And then they put it close up and she fucking went through a wooden ladder. You know, yeah. I and, and anybody's gonna say, well, it was wood. You go you go fall off a roof or through a wooden ladder and the fucking edge and the steps and all that stuff. And and you know what? Even throwing a pair of jeans if you think that's gonna cushion your pain. <laughs> right. No, Mia Yim is a tough girl. Let me ask she you really- this. When she got the shot in the face. She was bleeding a little bit, and the crowd really started cheering for her. Was that her Becky Lynch moment? I wouldn't go so far as to say that. No, not not a big star, but you know, like getting respect. I think I think people are going to notice her. I think that that's going to be replayed a few times because that was just nasty. It was good. It was good. And Mia Yim's a strong girl. Like I said, she's got a history. You know, she wrestled in WSU. She wrestled in a few places. Like she's even got like a personal history that's dark too, because um, I don't know if she still does it, but she used to wear different nail polish mm. on one of her hands, which was a, a secret representation for women that were battered and abused. And so she came from like this dark place, and she did all these charities and stuff like that for women that were battered and abused. Like she's a real fucking human down underneath all that shit. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, watching her go out there and getting her head caved in by a fucking ladder, getting thrown, just chucked out of the way. Io Shirai was taking her fucking licks, too. I mean, there was that one where she she got her funny bones snapped right in the ladder. And I was just like, God damn, that must hurt. Yeah. So they were they weren't pulling punches. And it was kind of funny. I think it was Sean, uh, one of our mods, obviously, as you know. He said, so what you're telling me, Mish, is that tonight it's the battle between the domestic and imports. And I just, I kind of laughed because that was funny. Yeah, it, it actually was. And you yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah, the U.S. girl, right? So. Yeah. I um, I said it Friday. I said it Monday. And yes, I'll take a little props for this, you know, because we're always hitting things on, on the nose. And, you know, before you go, I'm going to have you talk a little bit about NWA also. But um, there was only one person that I thought needed to be on NXT tonight as far as the women. Only mm-hmm. one person. And that was Bailey. And sure enough, at the very end, Bailey shows up. Um, I got news for you, man. Her face to some people might be a little busted. She's got some body. She's got a body on her. I mean, you you could see that she I know a lot of people will focus on her ass, but she's got I, I'm just saying she's got a body on her. Yeah, no, she's very, very attractive. Yeah, yeah. But she made an appearance at the end. She probably was the one, you know, that uh, laid out the, the, the two chicks earlier in the night. Oh, what was yeah. it, Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai? Yeah. They, I know it was Rhea Ripley. Was was the other with Dakota Kai? I think it was. I don't, I don't yeah. remember. I, I think it was. But um, no, 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 no. It was uh, Jez. Did I say? Wait, no, no. It was Jessamine no, Duke. Dakota Kai. Maurice is saying it was Tegan Knox. I think it was Tegan Knox, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was Tegan Knox. You're right. But um, did anybody get a glimpse of Scarlett Bordeaux? Red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Red yeah. hair. She's redhead now. You know? It's, yeah. I t- much love. Uh, I got to bounce for uh, a minute, but we will talk about the NWA tomorrow. Yeah, Thank let's talk about much. it tomorrow. Yes, I definitely want to get into that tomorrow. I'll definitely, uh, we'll talk tomorrow. And I don't know if you saw my PMs earlier, but Friday you got a uh, little delivery coming. The only thing I'll say oh, is. Oh, no, I didn't check anything. My, yeah. my Facebook and kind of, my Facebook and my Twitter have been trying to keep up, but it's been pretty full. I'll so. give you a little hint. Don't eat dinner Friday. 
All right. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you tomorrow, Much love, my friend. Everyone. Later. Ah, that was Mish. Happy birthday again, my friend. And anyone out there wants to send Mish a little happy birthday shout out, go to Twitter at Wrestling Soup, or you could see him on Facebook, obviously. Um, so now, before we get into a little more specifics with the results tonight, want to get into a couple little tidbits of news. Um, best wishes go out to Jerry Lynn. Uh, he's got some major issues with his back, a bulging disc. He's got to get surgery. He is going to be away from training for quite some time. Um, another injury as well, Johnny Gargano will not be medically cleared to compete at TakeOver uh, because of his neck injury. And, you know, that really sucks. And everybody, I mentioned it Monday, and I will say it again now. Dominic... Dijakovic. I finally got it right. You know, some people count sheep when they go to sleep. I counted Dijakovics. Dijakovic. One Dijakovic. Two Dijakovic. Three Dijakovic. Four Dijakovic. But I will say this, man. I'm usually good with names. They need to fucking tweak his name because it's just, you look at it on paper. I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but you know, maybe you do a podcast or something and you have a Japanese name or a name you never heard of before and you're not exactly sure how to pronounce it. So you go on YouTube and you just type the name in or how do you say blah, 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 blah. And then you'll get this computer voice go, Dijakovic, Dijakovic, Dijakovic. So yeah, that's, that's what I do sometimes on uh, YouTube. So I just kept over and over again, Dijakovic, Dijakovic. So why do I keep saying Dijakovic's name? Because they announced tonight that at NXT War Games, we will have Matt Riddle going one-on-one -on -one against Finn Balor, which you know is going to be a fucking awesome match. And since Matt Riddle was originally in the War Games match, Matt Riddle will be replaced by Dominic Dijakovic. So there you go. Um, also, uh I, as I said earlier, you know, I was going to have Mish stay on with NWA Power, talking a little bit about it. But, um, you know, I hope a lot of you out there remember what I said about NWA Power. And, you know, Billy Corgan's got to be very careful about the audience that he's attracting right now. Because it seems like the most outspoken fans out there are older fans who are reminiscing to when they were young wrestling fans before social media and everything else. And the sad thing about it is those 40, 50, and 60-year-olds that are outspoken, you don't see any of them buying the fucking NWA discs, the DVDs. You don't see them buying the T-shirts. You don't see them buying the pay-per-views. You'll just, you'll just see, oh, no, I, oh, I checked the match on YouTube. Oh, I saw highlights here. They're not putting money in NWA Power's pocket. So you have to, you know, attract a broader audience. And the one thing that I kept stressing early on is that this is, a, these are pilots. These are weekly pilot episodes. You know, when you see this storyline with Nick Aldis and Camille, will she speak? She speaks. Will Camille speak? I don't give a shit about Camille speaking. But you see how some of these storylines are progressing really, really fast, really, really fast. These are weekly pilots. 
they are getting their feet wet. This was never supposed to be. And I have said this repeatedly. Mish and I have said this repeatedly on Breakfast Soup that the current NWA product that you're watching is going to be tweaked and morphed and changed drastically in the future. Right now, they're doing pilots. This is not something that would get regular TV and garnish any ratings whatsoever. It's got a little following, a little niche, and they're making their footprint. Right now, the only thing that NWA Power is doing is they want to build a house. And Billy Corgan, yeah, he said the house is going to take 20 years to build. 20 years comes a lot faster than you think, even though I don't think it's going to take 20 years. But right now, all they did was you ever see when a building's going to be built and they have a ceremony and you have five or six different matarats with shovels in their hand and they have like some like, you know, tape around the area and then they just all at the same time stick their shovel in the sand. Basically, so far, you have had six shovels thrown in the proverbial sand. NWA Power is a project right now. Billy Corrigan made an appearance on NWA Power, thanking all the fans, thanking the fans that are going to be showing up at the pay-per-view. It is sold out, but keep in mind, the audience is very, very small, so it should sell out. But he also told everybody, look, you know, this is a project. This is these." He didn't say pilots, but he pretty much said what we've been saying all along. You know, you look at their roster, and this is not disrespect for NWA Power because I like the product. But you look at their roster. I mean, look at the match results this week. Trevor Murdoch over Caleb Conley. Thunder Rosa and Marty Bell over Crystal Rose and Brooklyn Creed. Um, you had the question mark, which is Josephus, I believe, over Dan Parker. And you have Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer over Eddie Kingston and Homicide. You know, you had other little things going on. Next week, Molina is going to make an appearance. Next week, it's Eli Drake versus Kenny Anderson. Colt Cabana versus Ricky Starks. Um, then you got your regulars, Aaron Rex, James Storm, Nick Aldis. They're going to be there. But is that a roster that's going to generate ratings or money? Or No, it's not. It's not even close. That's not a knock on NWA power. They are reintroducing the product, and they are going to take it very, very slow. And that's something that I think AEW is making a major mistake right now. And I have said this, I said it even on Saturday. One of the biggest problems AEW is doing is they're treating a lot of wrestlers, they're treating a lot of their product as if they've been around for five years. You can't just throw people out there and if they're not household names and if you're not emotionally attached to them, you know, you're going to change the channel. You're going to do other things. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. You know, some of you out there like Dark Order. Some of you out there like Jungle Boy. Some of you out there actually do like Marco Stunt. But the way that they got lambasted for that kid whatever it is. You look at that kid up close. I don't want to see anything happen to him personally, but you, if you watch other, you know, clips online of other shows, this guy falls very, very awkwardly. And I'm really concerned because he's so light that he's going to get overshot in a move 
and he's going to get seriously, seriously injured. Trust me when I tell you, there is a such thing as being too light. It's not, well, we'll just put people up against them that are similar in size or maybe 200 pounds at the most. He, he is, I mean, come on. It's just a bad accident waiting to happen. I know it's an inspiration for, you know, for people out there that don't have the quintessential size or body and may want to become a pro wrestler. When he's waving earlier, I know a lot of people were writing online, hey, that looks a lot like what Spike Dudley used to do in ECW even before he went to WWE. You know, it, they can't treat some people on TV as if we've been watching them for five years. It's not going to happen. And I'm very curious to see what the ratings are going to be this week. Because remember, two weeks ago, you know, I, I said that, you know, this storyline with Survivor Series, of course, I want to see both products, you know, succeed. Because if they both put on kick-ass shows, that's more entertainment for yours truly. That's more entertainment for all of you out there. But you see how WWE, in a blink of an eye, could throw people out there whenever they want and I don't know, man, you, with all due respect, our number two of AEW tonight was great. It was a fucking great show. I, I, hour two, I enjoyed tremendously. But when you think of the first hour, Michael Nakazawa, Peter Avalon, which looks like what Ravishing Rick Rude would have looked like if he went off steroids and went on a hunger strike in Africa for eight months. You know, the Dark Order. You look at these matches, Nyla Rose in a squash. I don't care that, you know, Awesome Kong cut a little piece of Ali's hair, which I thought was cool because we praised Awesome Kong on Saturday. But um, Kevin Gerard, I didn't say Rick Rude was on steroids or legit. I said that Pete Avalon looks like if Rick Rude was off steroids and went on a hunger strike in Africa for eight months. Um, it's not funny. It's not comedy. It's not, I'm sorry, man. There's some people that if, if you have to be a certain height or certain size, you better have something unbelievable about you. But if you're a fucking scrawny little twig and you look like a goof and you look like, you know, like you can't say, oh, you know, I, I got an idea. I look ridiculous. So I'll call it satire. It's meant to look di ridiculous. That's like someone who, uh, yeah, let's use this. It's like a podcaster that's never shown their face. They either put cartoon photos up or emojis or a photo from 15 years ago or when they were in grammar school, but they don't show their face now. And then finally, they're forced, literally forced. They're put in a corner where they have to finally show their face. And they put on some outfit or whatever, and everybody sees them and starts laughing at them like, the fuck you wearing? And they start laughing at you. And you turn around and say, oh, no, 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 I did that on purpose. I did that. I was doing it to mock. But meanwhile, they thought that they looked sharp. I mean, I'm sure you probably have seen that in school back in the day. Yeah, you put on something or you, you, and people make fun of you like, oh, no, 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 I was doing that as a joke. It was a joke. It was a, this fucking Peter Avalon, come on, seriously. 
They, why are you even wasting time on that? And look at the main event tonight. SEU versus Jericho and Guevara. I know a lot of you out there were saying, why is Jericho fighting for a tag title? He's already heavyweight champion. Uh, this is what they wanted to do. I think a lot of us thought that maybe someone will do a run-in towards the end, but the match felt rushed. I don't know. I, Jim Ross said it was a 60-minute time limit, which confused the shit out of me because it started at 9.49 p.m. So how could it be a 60-minute time limit when it's 9.49 p.m.? So the match ended abruptly, in my opinion, and Jericho throwing around tables and everything. I don't know. Not for nothing. And I've been supporting AEW. Anybody who listens on a regular basis knows I don't knock a lot of it. I'm very fair with what I say. But you look at every main event that has happened on AEW so far, and could you name me one main event that was kick-ass? I mean, the closest might have been Omega versus Moxley, which went to a draw. You know, it just, their main events uh, have really suffered on this product. You've had, obviously, moments tonight. There was some great moments. Luchasaurus, obviously, coming back. You know, we finally got the debut of Wardlow. Wardlow. Michael Wardlow. For all of you out there that don't know anything about Michael Wardlow, you know, maybe you should have done a little Googling and checking things out, you know, up until now. But, you know, if you're going to, if your best comeback, especially podcasters, seriously, if your best comeback is to call him, you know, hey, he looks like a Luther Reigns for AEW, you know, do me a favor, you know, borrow Awesome Kong's knife and cut your fucking mic. Seriously, cut your microphone cord, please. You know, d d don't even fucking waste your time because the guy is actually talented. And for anybody out there who's going to say, hey, DT, you know, could you throw me a, a good match example to check out, you know, what Wardlow could do? I'll give you one right now. Um, check out the IWC promotion, the three stages of hell match between him and Jack Pollock. Great match. And he is talented. He's a multi-champion for various federations. He's been uh, in Revenge Pro Wrestling, Warrior Wrestling, Premier Championship Wrestling, Northy Wrestling, Absolute Intense Wrestling, IWC, as I said. He's not bad. You know, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic with him and MJF together. Wardlow's got a physique. He is talented in the ring, but if you see people out there, you know, calling him a loot the reins or making jokes to them, those are people that just want to be tweet fucked. They want to just stand out. So they write dopey shit. You know, the guy's fucking talented. Why knock the guy if you know nothing about the guy? Um, now, I don't know if anybody had any little nostalgia tonight, but. I don't know if any of you out there, but when MJF and Jericho were having their back and forth, cutting their promo, and, you know, do you want to be in the inner circle? Do you want to be in the inner circle? Do I want to be in the inner circle? And then they were going back and forth, back and forth, and then they both at the same times went, Cody Rhodes, tell me you didn't have a flashback of Jericho and Kevin Owens. Seriously. You remember when they both went Roman Reigns? That's an example where I don't mind if they bit off of the past. There is nothing wrong with re-tweaking or recreating or biting off of moments from yesteryear. 
it's happened for decades and decades and decades. You just don't notice it all the time. But I had no problem tonight. MJF, you could see how good he is on the mic. I don't know if the comedy should have been tonight, especially right after what he did to Cody. Um, but again, I feel, in my opinion, you kick off Dynamite with Cody in the ring. Or MJF is the first person that comes out there, continues his fucking promo from the weekend. Fans would have been chanting, asshole. You know, when you have him in the ring with Jericho at the same time, you know, you're, you you kind of like get a little confused. Like, okay, um, uh, are we supposed to cheer for one of these two? And you see it. Jericho gets cheered because of everything that he's doing for AEW. Moxley, isn't Moxley technically supposed to be a heel? He gets cheered the fuck out of as well. And because he is being John Moxley, you know, I know my calls Monday was a little unsure if Moxley was having a good time on Saturday. I don't know John Moxley personally, and I can't read his mind, but usually my intuition, my instincts are correct. And I think Moxley was loving it, almost like a drug. That hardcore shit is almost like a drug for Moxley. And again, I said it earlier, we had a great discussion Saturday. Good for AEW for not backing down and apologizing for that hardcore match. All right. I don't want to single out journalists. I don't want to single out the blue check marks. You know who they are, but you saw some of them very outspoken. I don't feel comfortable. I don't like this. I'm a little disturbed by this. Yeah, you're disturbed by fucking plastic that looks like glass. Oh, yeah, you're disturbed that you're looking at a barbed wire net that's not real barbed wire. Do you get as disturbed when you go to a horror film and someone is stabbed or shot in the head? I don't like this. I'm disturbed by this. Don't give me the, well, this is pro wrestling. This is not a horror film. It's fucking entertainment. You had two guys that were brawling, a bitter feud that went on for six months. And as we said Saturday, that after the, the smoke cleared, you were going to have Moxley show some respect for Omega for having the balls to, have, to go in the ring and face him like that. Man, very fragile people out there. But props to AEW for not giving in. That was my biggest fear coming out of Saturday. You know, it was trending. It was trending number one on Twitter for a little while. And you saw all these people offended, triggered, uncomfortable. I'm not watching AEW again. This is just too much. Jerk off. Jerk off. So anyway, Getting back to uh, the show tonight. Yeah, let's get into some quick match results. The good thing, I know I said it two weeks in a row, but I promise you today will be a definite. I said that, you know, the show's going to end 60 to 90 minutes. It ends up going an extra hour. And tonight, I promise you, this will end uh, a little bit earlier. Now, as far as AEW Dark for next week, I have two matches so far. If there is a third match, which I might actually get in a second, 
I will let you know unless anybody uh, in the chat, especially Discord, you can uh, let me know if I'm missing one. But I do know that the Young Bucks are taking on a strong hearts. I don't know if it's T-Hawk, Lindemann, Seema, because there's more than two members of the strong hearts. So if anybody out there knows which two members were in the match, somebody told me it was T-Hawk and Lindemann. I'm obviously not in Nashville, so I don't know. Um, also, you have tonight Big Swall and Chris Statlander versus Riho and Dr. Britt Baker. So those two matches I know are uh, taped for next week's AEW Dark. And you know, it was not bad. I mean, tonight's show... I think a lot of you will agree with me that our one, and look, again, I have to stress this because I think a lot of people um, only listen in sound bites. I am very, very fair to AEW. Um, somebody's saying best friends versus private party. Okay, so that's that uh, also is scheduled for AEW Dark, which, which is, uh, that's going to be a great match as well. So... As I was going to say, I'm very fair at AEW. But I honestly think, in my honest opinion, our one tonight, anybody going to disagree with me on this? The worst hour one since AEW went on TNT? I'm talking about the first hour. If you look at the matches, Moxley defeating Michael Nakazawa in one minute. One minute. You have the Dark Order defeating Jurassic Express Jurassic Express, again, going 11 minutes. No business for that much offense, that much time. Those matches, sorry, Jungle Boy is a, is a future star. Um, now with Luchasaurus pretty much coming back, you have to fucking do something about Marco Stunt. The idea that you think you could keep having 10, 11, 13-minute matches with this, this scrawny little 50-pound fucking, you know, dweeb in the ring. It's nothing personal against him. He is talented. But look who they're putting him up against. These fucking giant members of the Dark Order. Lucha Brothers. I mean, come on. Put him in a fucking ring with someone a little bit smaller that you could have a suspension of disbelief like, hey, he's going toe-to-toe with blah, 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 blah. Put him against Michael Nakazawa. Man. Anyway, after that Match, uh, yet Evil Uno, who tried to recruit Marco Stunt into the Dark Order. Why? I have no idea. Uh, you had Luchasaurus come out, make the save. Luchasaurus is massively over. When I said earlier about these chants and cheers all being piped in during that match, trust me, all the reaction, all the pop that Luchasaurus got tonight was genuine. And again, just look at the crowd during this match. Whoever was in the back with the sound fucking board doing that shit, seriously, someone should fucking put their hands through a fucking a, a, a chopper. That was just horrendous. I mean, it gets to a point where you, you, you have to pay attention to the crowd. If the crowd is a little bit energetic, then you enhance it, all right? If you record audio, and it's a little bit low, all right? All right, yeah, I'm recording right now and my audio is a little bit low, all right? So what I'm gonna do is, you know, when I edit the show later on, I'm gonna increase the volume a little bit. You don't fucking 
have the audio this low and then you want to make it this high because what happened with the crowd is nobody's reacting whatsoever. None, none, no reaction whatsoever. Garbage. Horrendous. Whoever fucking did that, seriously. God awful. Don't do that again, AEW. Very, very moronic for doing that shit. Um, didn't, didn't like that at all. So now you have Darby Allen versus anorexic Rick Rude um, versus Sean Spears. And, you know, look, Darby Allen gets the win. He pins uh, Avalon. Sean Spears, got to get rid of Tully Blanchard. Nothing against Tully Blanchard. I am a, a big fan of the Four Horsemen. Loved his work. Ever since Sean Spears lost to Cody, Tully Blanchard, I don't know why he's out there. He, he Him with Sean Spears gives me that Bob Backlund, Darren Young effect. At least... They had the skits. We're going to make Darren Young great again. They had all the, speed, the, the segments. What is Tully Blanchard doing? I just, I can't buy into the suspension of disbelief that Tully Blanchard is mentoring Sean Spears. It's just, it just, it's not working for me. Um, but Darby Allen, after he wins the match, which by the way, only went three minutes, he gets on the mic and he accepts John Moxley's challenge. So now you got uh, Darby Allen versus John Moxley, and I think that fucking match is going to kick ass, without a doubt. Um, that's going to be a, a real good match to look forward to. All right. Now, I want to go back when I said this was the worst hour in AEW's history on TNT so far. And look, don't make that earth-shattering news. It's not. You know, they... It's like relationships. You could have your good days and your bad days. It's like diets. You'll have your good days and your bad days. You know, when you're baseball players, sometimes you're going to go three for three. Sometimes you're going to go 0 for three. But let me just repeat. This is very important because AEW broke a streak tonight. Moxley versus Nakazawa, one minute, four seconds. Jurassic Express versus Dark Order, 11 minutes, three seconds. Darby Allen versus Peter Avalon versus Sean Spears, three and a half minutes. Nyla Rose versus Danny Jordan, one minute, 38 seconds. Look at those times. Add that shit up. That's not good. That's not good. But give AEW credit because the second hour, they really amped it up a notch. Hangman Page versus Pac. Even though Hangman Page got the loss and it does feel like he's missing a little bit of something, he is over with the crowd. That crowd loved that match. And it's it, they're an interesting dynamic, Pack and Hangman Page. Those are two guys that you don't expect them to have 10, 12, 15-minute matches and really click because their styles are different. And Hangman Page is a big motherfucker. I don't think people understand how big that guy is. But again, they delivered. They had a great match tonight. And um, Sean, both shows had bad starts. I don't justify bad behavior with other bad behavior. I don't justify a bad first hour because someone else had a bad first hour. You know, you worry about your own shit. And AEW... You can't write off a bad first hour. Well, NXT had a bad first hour too. Uh-uh. You got to treat both products separately. But Pack versus Hangman Page delivered without a doubt.
Pac gets the win. Next, you had the main event, which was SCU versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. SCU wins. Again, an abrupt ending because, you know, we're at 9.59. And match went off the air 11 minutes. Now, think about this, okay? Two hours of dynamite. You think of the how long. And think about Tony Khan. Focus it more about the wrestling. Tonight, you had an 11-minute match. You had a 13-minute, a 12-minute match, so that's 23 minutes. You then had a one-and-a-half-minute match, which makes it about 25 minutes. Three-and-a-half-minute match, which is 28-30. 11-minute match, which is 39-33. And in the first match, they have 40 minutes of wrestling in a two-hour period tonight. That's not normally what AEW does. I'm a little concerned about their ratings this week. All right. I wonder if this week is the week that NXT beats AEW in the ratings. Um, I think coming off the pay-per-view, and you know, it's funny because I don't work behind the scenes for either company. I felt after you had NXT invade SmackDown when half the roster was still delayed in Saudi Arabia, when you had such an awesome SmackDown episode and then you had NXT carry over to Monday Night Raw and invade there as well. And all you do is have the OC show up on NXT. I'm not, none against AJ Styles or Gallows and Anderson. That's fucking a good, you know, trio to bring to NXT. You know they could have an awesome match. But where is all the members of SmackDown invading? Where is the women invading? So now you think, and I said this last week, okay, maybe... WWE felt AEW is going to go into full gear. So they didn't want to shoot a lot of bullets on NXT because maybe AEW with their lead into the pay-per-view, they're going to pull out all the stops. So we'll hold off on shooting a lot of those bullets until the following week. Now tonight, it felt like AEW almost the first hour was thinking, you know what, after uh, NXT invaded SmackDown and Raw last week and maybe NXT, they held off you know, shooting some of those bullets because of AEW's full gear pay-per-view that they thought maybe NXT was going to come out blazing hot with fucking invasions and attacks and this and that. So instead, we'll fucking put Moxley in a one-minute match against Nakazawa. We'll put the fucking Ethiopian Express against the Dark Order for 13 or 11 minutes. My God. And then you follow with fucking anorexic Rick Rude Darby Allen and Sean Spears for three minutes. And then you follow it, Nyla Rose versus Danny Jordan for one and a half minutes. That's what you come up with following a pay-per-view? This is what I mean when I say they're treating their product many times like they've been around for five years. You can't do that. MJF, his best fucking friend, betrays his best friend and puts him in a situation where he can never fight for the title again. And instead, you have Moxley come out, and Moxley's promo was awesome. It was fucking great. I'm looking forward to seeing Moxley versus Darby Allen. But even Moxley cuts the promo. Nobody comes out. Nobody comes out. Seriously. I mean, this is what you do for the first hour? Terrible. Terrible. Second hour made up for it, no question. But again, look at how much wrestling was actually in the ring this week. This 
does not feel much different than like WWE format. Just with different players. Somebody, I can't remember who said it, last week, I wanted to give the person credit, I forgot, and I've, since I'll say it now, we'll probably have 200 people to say, oh yeah, I said it. This feels like a more hipster version of WWE. I, I'm very curious what happens with the ratings this week. I said before the first episode that I thought AEW's ratings were going to settle between eight and 900,000 viewers. And it seems like it's falling into that. I almost feel like this week's AEW is going to be very similar to last week's rating, right around 800,000, maybe give or take 20, 30,000 viewers. But I don't know, man. NXT had an opportunity tonight to really get people to change the channel and never turn it back. And I think NXT also missed on a few opportunities tonight as well. The opening match, Leo Rush retaining the title, uh, the Cruiserweight title defeating Angel Garza. You know, great match. Almost 13 minutes long. Um, I don't know how many people give a shit yet about Garza Jr. Just because he tries to hit on Kathy Kelly or somebody backstage and he slaps Leo Rush in the face the week before doesn't mean that everybody's going to have their face glued to the fucking TV. So, but I understand why they opened up with that match. It was a good match. No doubt about it. Leo Rush retains. Okay, fine. Then we see in the back, Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley uh, lay, laid out. We don't know who it's going to be. You know, me at this point, I'm talking to people online. I'm like, oh, I hope it's Bailey. That's why I said Monday. Only one person I thought had to show up. And that was Bailey. And then sure, sure enough, that's what we got later on. So next, you have uh Zia Lee defeating Aliyah in a two-minute match. Nothing much there. I mean, at one point you had a, a Aliyah, Aliyah. Some people say Aliyah. I say Aliyah. Bleeding from the nose. Uh, it was what it was. I mean, it just felt like it was just to bring people down a little bit after the opening cruiserweight match. Um you know, not bad, but still two minutes long. So now we get the NXT North American champion, Roderick Strong versus Keith Lee, non-title match. I hate when they do shit like that because 90% of the time when it's announced non-title, that means the person who's not the champion gets the win. And that's what we got. Keith Lee beats Roderick Strong. I fucking have said before, Keith Lee is quickly becoming my favorite NXT star. Just as, as I said, Saturday, Ortiz is becoming my favorite uh, AEW star. Ortiz is funny, motherfucker, man. That brawl that he had with the Young Bucks, yeah, look, you know, Santana Ortiz, they put the, you know, the, the Young Bucks, one of them through the, through the fucking table. It looked like, uh, it looked like they went to Home Depot and like, you know, should we buy a table? Nah, you know what? Let's just get some fucking wall paneling. And something that looks like like a fucking door or something, and they put a cover over it and they spray painted. He puts through it, he puts them through it, and you know it just looked very very cheap. But it was a good visual. Santana Ortiz, you know, just entertaining as fuck. Yeah, private party. Um, you know, making a save sort of, and this is good. Like I said earlier, is going to set up the match 
between uh, private party and Santana Ortiz. And it is going to be a little bit of a tribute to Matt Travis and good. That, that definitely is, is uh, deserving. Um, funny moment. And I know I'm going back to AEW for a minute, but I think I, it deserves mentioning. There was a part in the back where the Young Bucks and Santana Ortiz were brawling. And Ortiz opens the door uh, in in the back, I guess the locker room area. And you see Orange Cassidy standing there with his hands in his pockets. You know, funny comedic moment. And he's shutting the door very quiet, you know, slowly. It was funny. It was not bad at all. Um, but again, Keith Lee becoming my, fi- my favorite NXT star. Um, good on the mic, great in the ring. Had an excellent match with Roderick Strong. Keith Lee gets the win. So now, you know, we have Finn Balor coming out, cutting his promo. And then uh, this leads to Matt Riddle hitting the ring. Balor leaves and then the Undisputed Era comes out. And, you know, I never liked this, especially when you have a four-on-one. Riddle's in the middle of the ring. Undisputed Era is outside the ring. In each corner, a la Shield. And you have, I think it was Adam Cole that said, wrong place, wrong time. And then Ciampa's music hits in his video. You got four guys that are about to beat the fuck out of Matt Riddle. It's about 20 to 25 seconds before Ciampa hits the ring. Why do all four of them freeze to look at a fucking entrance video? All right, somebody's music hits. You fucking nail a couple of cheap shots and then you fucking jump out of there. They all fucking, fr- and yes, this happens in wrestling all the time. I've said it probably a thousand times over 20 plus years, but every time I see it, it, it just aggravates me. Suspension of disbelief. Wrong place, wrong time. Oh, entrance views video makes the save. I mean, come on. But hey, it's the setup war games. I get it. And overall, I don't have any problem with it. So anyway, after the match is over, we find out that Dominic Dijakovic will be taking Riddle's place in the war games and Matt Riddle will be taking on Finn Balor. We had more um, attacks. Jasmine Duke and Candice LeRae left laying outside. Um, anybody get a kick out of like the rocks and all of that? Like you expect like a fucking alligator to be in nearby. I don't know. It just is. I don't know. The fun, outside looks pretty funny to me. But the next match, you had Isaiah Scott. You get Swerve Scott defeating Bronson Reed. Not a bad match. They shake hands after. But is it just me that Bronson Reed is too nice? He shook hands with, I think, with, what was it, Matt Riddle? I think he had a match with not too long ago. He had a match against Isaiah Scott. You know, he looks almost like a, a little Yokozuna. This motherfucker should be getting angry, pissed off, snap. He should snap. I don't like this handshaking over and over again. Bronson Reed is talented. I just don't like seeing a giant fucking behemoth of a man like that. You lose and you keep showing respect and shaking hands. I don't know. I don't like it. Anyway, getting back to NXT, Mia Yim versus Io Shirai. Ladder match with the winner getting the advantage in war games. Uh, Mission, I talked about it earlier. You had Io Shirai beat Mia Yim. 
Now, my original thinking going into this main event is we know Io Shirai is talented, extremely talented. Me, Yim as well, but I don't know if I really wanted to see those two close out NXT tonight. You can look at one side of it, give props to WWE for not diverting too much from the NXT program. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Let's not divert. Okay, AEW's been beating us in the ratings. No problem. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We take our time. We take our time. We save our bullets. We take our time. We save our bullets. AEW, their storylines are going to get burnt out really quick. I mean, Cody's already fought a career-threatening match in AEW, and Cody's best friend's already turned on him, and we're not even two months into AEW. It feels like things are escalating a little bit too quickly. I mean, don't get me wrong. The turn Saturday was fucking great. I want to see Cody and MJF have this feud, but after six weeks, seven weeks, it might feel this might be coming to the marathon, not a sprint category because Cody's already blown his load with Jericho. Cody's about to blow his load with MJF. You know, what's next? Okay, uh, he's going to fight maybe Kenny Omega down the line. You look at six months from now, where does this leave some of the wrestlers? Jericho, we were saying earlier, shouldn't he be fighting Pac right now because of Pac's record? They're going to change the win-loss record like I I had predicted all along. Um, You see where some of those um, problems could be down the line. I'm not saying they're problems now, but something you got to, look, you always got to think ahead. You have to think ahead. And this is something that WWE has a massive advantage with. We were talking online. Do you think Seth Rollins really should go to NXT? Seth Rollins is a talented motherfucker. There's no question. But he's got some issues right now, big time. I That's why I called him Roman Rollins about three, four months ago. Didn't I say about four or five months ago that Seth Rollins was going to become the next polarizing wrestler in the WWE? I, I know I said that many times. But I don't know if WWE would actually take a payroll like Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins is still very popular with fans. Not as much as recently, but he could regain it. So I don't know if they would, you know, keep Seth Rollins in NXT. But my point is, you look at the main roster on Raw. You look at the main roster on SmackDown. They have two more rosters where they could just pull someone here, pull someone there. Throw him in NXT for six months. Throw Luke Harper in NXT. You could throw some, and there's that never-ending group of people. AEW doesn't have that luxury. You start bringing in wrestlers who wrestle for MLW, who wrestle for Impact Wrestling, who wrestle for AAA, who wrestle in Japan. You start getting that TNA vibe that this wrestler is really not identifiable as an AEW wrestler. See, right now, you have the core, look, Young Bucks, Jericho, now MJF, because he's finished other commitments, Kenny Omega and others, they feel, you look at them and you say to yourself, AEW guy. But there's got to be a more of a core added to it. You know, it was good to see Nyla Rose back on TV today, but I think her stock has fallen quite a bit. Look at the crowd reaction tonight. They were not having it. I loved Awesome Kong chopping the hair again. That's something I had said on Saturday. I did get a kick out of Brandy Rhodes 
Uh, if you look closely, it, I don't know if this girl had hair extensions. Remember I said Saturday, like you could have a problem just chopping off some women's hair. Uh, there's not going to be people in line to do all that. And I don't think Tony Khan's going to be like, I chop your hair, $50,000. You know, it's, it's not the case. And if you look at Brandy when she's feeling Allie's hair, it almost looked like she was trying to search for the hair extension. I don't know if you saw that, but that's the vibe I got from it. I'm not a woman. I don't wear hair extensions. I've never bought hair extensions for any chick for Christmas. So I don't know, you know, if that looked like to you that she was feeling for a hair extension. Uh, Danny, go back and look at it. You know, Brandy's like looking and 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 looking for the right piece of hair to cut. You don't just grab... You're supposed to just grab the hair and just chop it off. She's looking and looking in layers and layers. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, getting back to Io Shirai and Mia Yim. Again, Mish and I talked about it earlier. Jesus Christ. Mia Yim, I mean, taking a shot in the face with the ladder was a botch. I mean, she bled. She botched. There's no question about it. And yeah, it looked a little bit awkward. Io Shirai trying to buy time, you know, putting a ladder down, trying to climb the ladder, trying to do this, trying to do, you know, because Mia Yim was getting patched up. But Mia Yim, after getting that shot to the face, not only does she get thrown outside the ring, but she goes through a goddamn ladder, not a table, but a freaking ladder. And you saw the, the replays of it. Man, did that shit hurt. That shit hurt. And she is a tough son of a bitch. When I said earlier that that might have been Mia Yim's Becky Lynch moment, I don't mean that she's going to stand there with her arms out and the crowd is going to fucking make her the number one woman and she's going to be the face of NXT. I don't mean anything like that at all. But I mean that the, the fans... When Becky got nailed by Nia Jax and she bled and she, you know, no sold it and she was tough, you know, they got over with the fans. And I think Mia Yim gained a lot more respect from the fans tonight. Because trust me, you go back and you look at some of the reaction of Mia Yim on NXT last week and a week before, especially last week, fans were not all that warmed up with Mia Yim being in this, you know, war game situation. So I I got to give props, big props to her. That was a fucking really, really stiff fucking spot. Man, was that, oh, that, that hurt. So then after the match is over, you have uh, Dakota Kai. Um, you know, she, we wonder what's going to happen with the storyline with that. But uh, in the ring, Kaylee Ray. She's in the ring with Io Shirai. They're celebrating. Shayna Baszler is up the rampway, and she's happy for her team. They got the War Games advantage. Bailey comes out, attacks Shayna Baszler, and that's how we went off the air. Um, it was great to see Bailey. You know, again, you know, I said she was the woman I wanted to see show up in NXT, but I feel if Raw and SmackDown. Followed the, the storyline on their, those shows. 
Raw, if you're watching Raw, they're all, they all have their balls in a bunch about NXT showing up. Yet none of them show up at NXT. Yes, the OC last week, but even this past Monday, they got their balls in a bunch about NXT. Nobody shows up except Bailey. SmackDown last week, balls in a bunch about NXT invading. Nobody shows up. What is what does that say? I'm sorry. I think kudos for WWE for sticking to the NXT roster and showing respect for the for the roster because let's be honest, you bring four, five, six main roster guys to show up in NXT for a week. And yes, that'll probably happen next week because it's going to lead into the pay-per-view. But, you know, you get four, five, six guys show up or gals, that's taking away spots from people on the main roster. So, you know, maybe it hurts the storyline a little bit. Uh, but I think NXT is going to do quite well at Survivor Series. I think it has, they have to do well because it will carry over to future episodes of NXT. There's a lot of, look, you got two and a half million fans watching Raw, two and a half million fans watching SmackDown, and you have seven, eight hundred thousand watching NXT. You know, that's a couple of million fans that are not watching NXT yet. So this leads into Survivor Series and they impress and they get some victories. You will get some of the, Raw and SmackDown fans to start tuning into NXT. And you have fans right now that are preferring AEW over NXT. Yes, I watch both products at the same time, but you will get fans that if they start seeing some NXT stars a little bit more, I think this may lead to them changing the channel away from AEW to NXT. I don't think AEW was hurt tonight. In the end, but that hour one, that should really concern you. When And you look again at the times of the matches tonight. That's something AEW was not doing. And yes, everybody deserves a week off. It's right off the pay-per-view and this, this, and that. But man, that is, uh, if that continues or happens more often than not, that's going to be a problem for AEW because they don't have the household names that they could have two, three, four matches in a row with fucking fan, you know, the AEW fans may know who blah, blah, blah is, but mainstream fans, they'll change the channel, man. They will change the channel. So anyway, um, few people, we were talking about Jushin Thunder Lager last week. He was going to wrestle in San Jose for New Japan. And we were wondering if that was going to be his last match in the United States and it ended up, it ends up that it was. So, um, you know, got to give major props to Jushin Thunderlager for having such a successful career. My God, going back to WCW and seeing, you know, Japan and everything that he's done, you know, showing up on other feds as well. So he wrestled for New Japan on the ninth. He teamed up with Aaron Solo and they lost to Toriano and Colt Cabana. So uh, Jushin Thunderlager's career is over as far as the United States goes. Um, a few people wanted me to bring up this win-loss uh, record, the top five rankings that AEW put out. I'll be honest with you. This was done right before Matt Jackson made that clarification about the win-loss record. And I've been saying 
that that's going to change. And it is changing. So I don't know if these win-loss records even matter all that much anymore. But some of you may find this interesting. Um, AEW last week, right? And here's another thing. Why would you put out the top five right before full gear? If you're going to put out your top five rankings for the first time, you do it right after the pay-per-view, in my opinion. But anyway, this is AEW's official top five rankings, for those who may find it interesting. I'll give you the top five, and I'll give you their win-loss records. Um, Number one for the women's division, the number one contender is Emi Sakura. She is, and remember, this is before full gear, and this is why I say they should have put out the first list after the fucking pay-per-view. Emi Sakura is now officially one and one. Dr. Britt Baker is the number two contender. She is now officially three and one. So you think she should be the number one contender now. Hikaru Shida, she is two and one. Ali is one and two. Nyla Rose is now obviously two and three. So those are the top five. As far as the tag team division goes, number one contenders, the Lucha Brothers, who are uh, now four and three. You look at Private Party, they're three and three after the pay-per-view. The Young Bucks are also three and three. The Dark Order, I don't even know why the fuck they're on this list. And Best Friends close out the top five. Their record is two and three. So... Records are not impressed, pressing, impressive at all. Now, the men's division, the number one contender is Cody, whose record is now three and one. Pat's record, if you want to include tonight, is now four and one. Adam Page is now four and three, I believe. And Kenny Omega is two and three. And closing out the top five at number five is John Moxley, who is three and oh. So, I, I think these win-loss records are ridiculous. I don't think it's needed. I don't think it's necessary. If you want to do it and bring it up only during pay-per-view matches, that's fine, or title matches. But, you know, the idea of just announcing it every week. And again, I still don't understand why you would put this out right before Full Gear, right before Dynamite. You know, after a pay-per-view and... Dynamite, think about this. Think about this. I'm going to bring this point up. Think of the top five tag teams that I just read off that top five list. Now, if you want to go with logic, why is Jericho and Guevara fighting for the titles tonight? I understand a top five list aren't required to fight for a title every single week, but you bypass all five teams that are contenders for Jericho and Guevara tonight. I, I I don't get it. And Kevin, don't fall into that trap. That's because they're undefeated. If that's the case, then why aren't they in the top five? You do college basketball and somebody's ranked in the top five and you have a team that's undefeated, but they're not in the top five. They Sometimes you don't try to reinvent the wheel. And I think AEW is starting to learn that some of the things that they wanted to do in the world of pro wrestling, in the world of entertainment, in the world of suspension of disbelief, you want to try to give reality, realism with win-loss records. But 
if someone is not getting a push, their win-loss record is going to look pathetic. If you want to push someone that's not over and that person's win-loss record is impressive, then, you know, that doesn't, it just doesn't drive you. It's, you can't have it cut and dry like that. You can't use win-loss records that look like it's based on someone's unscripted ability to prevail. Because that's not what's what's happening. I just, I don't like it. You want to have a winning streak for someone who is over or somebody special, Goldberg, Asuka, not too long ago. And we've had other wrestlers over the years that on the undefeated streaks for a long time. Minga, Tatanka had an undefeated streak for a while. Wrestlers have had undefeated streaks that went for a long time. So you could talk about the undefeated streak, but to give everybody a win-loss record, oh man, what happens? Everybody's three and three, two and three, two and four. Does anybody out there in their right mind, the Young Bucks right now could be 0 and 6. Anybody in their right mind think that the Young Bucks are not the focal point of AEW's tag team division? If win and losses don't matter for some teams like Young Bucks and us, then why have them? I don't know. Anyway, uh, what else do we want to get to? I'm gonna, we're going to call this soon, you know, because like I said, uh, I've been telling everybody we want to chop these shows down to about 60 to 90 minutes. There's really no not necessary to get into, you know, so much more time on it. I mean, you know, we do so many other shows during a week, but obviously I don't want to talk about Raw and SmackDown on here. Uh, I do want to make mention for fans of Ring of Honor, and yes, Ring of Honor has had some turmoil lately uh, with their, you know, their backstage situation. And um, but they signed Danny Muff, you know, two-year contract. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, what a great signing!" You know, Danny Muff finally bring him to Ring of Honor. Danny Muff has been there before. Danny Muff is in the latter stages of his career. Dan Muff is a tough motherfucker. I have seen Dan Moff wrestle going back to the early 2000s when it was uh, Monster Mac and Mafia. Is that what they used to be? The the Hit Squad, right? The Hit Squad. Um, Dan Moff is tough. Dan Moff, even when I saw him wrestle in Jersey All-Pro, he was having a singles career. And um, so Dan Moff has been around for a while, but Dan Moff going to Ring of Honor is a very good signing. And you know what? A signing that I wanted to bring up two weeks ago, and I forgot two weeks in a row, not a wrestler, but someone who is going to help this promotion, you know, dramatically. And that is Chris Joseph signing with Ring of Honor. I know we all know him as the fat oily guy from WWE. Do not take his fatness and him being a goof on the camera and thinking that this guy is not talented in the mind. He is fucking, he's got some wit to him and he is a very intelligent man. He gets a lot of praise and respect behind the scenes in organizations he's worked. MLW picking him up is a very big deal, all right? Is MLW going to be on a level of an AEW anytime soon? Absolutely not. Will it be on the level of a Ring of Honor? I don't know. MLW has some really good things going on right now. 
Um, there's a lot of tiny promotions trying to get a little piece of the pie, little piece of the pie. That's to me what OVW is trying to be. That's what Ring of Honor is obviously become. MLW falls a little bit below that, just as NWA. NWA has got you know a small uh, viewership but it's got enough where they can see where they can build from, where they can take things away. They're experimenting. It's a work in progress. It's a pilot every week. Yes, the storylines continue, but that's me saying that. NWA is a series of pilots week after week after week. And they're doing a pretty damn good job. Uh, Ring of Honor, getting back to them, December 13th pay-per-view, Bully Ray is returning to the ring. Um, so you, you might want to check it out. He's going to fight in a street fight. Um, who is it? Mark Haskins? Is that who he's facing? I'm trying, I'm trying to remember if that that's who he's facing. I, I don't know if anybody out there, is it Mark Haskins? I always get his fucking first name wrong, but they're fighting a street fight for Ring of Honor. Yeah. Crimson says it is Mark Haskins. So, uh, December 13th, live on pay. Everybody's having a pay-per-view. MLW, Ring of Honor, NWA. You know, keep throwing out there. 20, 30, 40, 30, 20, 40, 40, 30, 30. A lot of shit, man. A lot of shit. No wrestling boom. Like I said, they're just trying to grab whatever they can get. I don't blame them, but you know, I'm I, I'm sticking with what I said five years ago. Ain't no fucking wrestling boom. Might feel that way, but when you add up NXT and AEW's ratings together, and it's still less than what is generated on Mondays and Fridays, that's not a wrestling boom. Because again, how many of, and I'll add a little further to it, how many of Raw's fans, how many fans that watch Raw are watching AEW? How many fans of SmackDown are watching AEW? How many fucking wrestlers that are retired now are watching AEW? My God, Cody, Cody cut his promo last week. Every fucking wrestler from yesteryear were all commenting about it. You take that 800,000 rating, the fans, I think 100,000 of them are probably wrestlers. Anyway, um, Impact Wrestling, their pay-per-view, Hard to Kill. January 12th, they have now added, uh, I think, Trey Miguel taking on Ace Austin for the X Division title. I hate to sound like a dick. I don't fucking give a shit. Um, Access TV can't let us know what kind of viewership Impact Wrestling is getting right now. No disrespect to the wrestlers out there. But if you're only getting 40,000 viewers, why should we be covering it all that much? 95% of the fans don't give a shit about your product. So, you know, you can't hide behind, oh, we don't just, we don't take pot in Nielsen. You have an idea how many fans are watching your product. Trust me, if fans were in droves going back to Impact Wrestling and watching it, it'd be on a fucking press release every single week. Impact Wrestling, you know, scores its highest viewership in two years, three years, four years. 90 fans at a taping. Yes, President Trump, 90 fans at a taping. And we're supposed to spend time on Impact Wrestling? I'm sorry for the wrestlers that perform there. They're working their ass off. And you know what? Give credit 
to RVD and, you know, everybody else that wrestles in that promotion right now because they are defending the product. They are working their ass off, whether there's 90 people in the crowd or 900 people in the crowd. But Impact Wrestling is just uh, a fragment of what it used to be. And, you know, we we talk about it. Give, give props to Joey Ryan. Give props to Ken Shamrock, Tessa Blanchard. You know, Brian Cage, you could go down the list. They all, you could see that they're not just winging it because the crowds are small. Give, we may not like the management because of what they did to Killer Cross. We may not like the management for getting rid of so many stars that we were enjoying in Impact Wrestling. We may not like the current status of the, the, the product, but that doesn't mean that we're shitting on the wrestlers. They are still working their asses off and they deserve a lot of credit. Um, few people were asking me why I don't cover women of wrestling all that much. I'll give you an honest answer. Best way I could describe it. Last week, Axis TV, you know, same company, you know, that airs Impact Wrestling. Here's the match results. The Beast over the Lioness. Serpentine over Princess Aussie. Uh, Havoc and Hazard over Chantilly Chella and Sassy Massey to advance in the semifinals of the WOW Tag Title Series. Remember that match for a minute. Tessa Blanchard over Jungle Girl to retain the WOW Championship, okay? So you got the Monsters of Madness advance in the Tag Title Series. These fucking matches were taped in May. I mean, seriously. I don't mean to sound like an asshole right now, but some of these wrestlers could be dead and buried and fucking just eaten up by worms where just their skeleton remains. And these matches wouldn't have aired on TV yet. You know, I'm supposed to like cover on a weekly basis fucking matches that were taped six, seven months ago. You wait that long to air that shit. If you're a fan of women wrestling, women's wrestling, WOW is a great product. It's got a niche It's got a little bit of everything. It is not a bad show, but it's a show that you watch because you want to watch some women's wrestling. It's not a show where you get to follow it every week. Oh my God, I wonder who's going to advance next in the tag title series. The fucking series is over. The champions are crowned. People have won. They have lost. They have won again. They've lost again. They've turned heel. They've turned babyface. They moved to fucking Iraq. They came back. They went into the service. They came back. They worked five jobs, got laid, got pregnant, gave birth, got married, divorced, married again, and the match still hasn't aired on TV. I'm going to give a shit about that. I can't get into that. Sorry. Just how I feel. Just being honest. All right gonna close it with one last thing how long we go so far we went uh 84 minutes all right not bad we'll be right around 90 minutes yeah santana garrett's still there and she's nxt right now man jordan miles ach quit wwe nxt and i'm bringing it up because he was an nxt guy and we cover nxt on this show now For those, I'm not going to get into the whole Jordan Miles thing. We've talked about it already. I had a passionate debate with Mish on uh, Monday's show a couple of weeks ago. But he posted a video today on social media, which was interesting 
because if you watch it, he got very vulgar and very angry. And it's almost like he was waiting for a cue to do it. I'm sorry, when I get fucking pissed off, I snap. I don't say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, is it live yet? Is it live yet? Uh, it, it's, you know, if I got to pee and I can't hold it in, I ain't going to fucking wait until I fucking, I, no, I'm going to fucking just let it out. I'm not going to fucking hold it in. So he cuts his very vulgar tirade saying, I ain't working for racists. Don't call me Jordan Miles because that was my slave name. All right. Now, I have my personal views on ACH Jordan Miles. I'm not going to get into them again. And some people may be a little bit surprised of what I'm going to say tonight. All right. Now, watch what he said. If you don't mind hearing the F-bomb a few times and you're of age where you can listen to the F-bomb, um, you know, he, he rips WWE. He's not going to work for racists. And he says, don't ever call me Jordan Miles again. It's my slave name. Um a lot of people are calling him unhinged. I don't know how much of that is really him being unhinged. When he said he was looking for t-shirt designers, I, I told you this three weeks ago. I, I know for a fact that Shaheen of Nuclear Graphic, Nuclear Heat, who does my graphics for all my shows, except for Mondays, um, he just did the whole Starcade, the whole booklet the, from Starcade. He was the artist for it. This guy is an unbelievable talent. He offered to do Jordan Miles' new shirt, the graphic, for free. He reached out to Jordan Miles. And what did I say on the show? I said, he ain't going to answer because he's not really looking for a T-shirt designer. He's just looking to get his name out there. He's using the wrestling fans to advance his own agenda. He, when he says, you know, fight the culture, fight this, be the culture, whatever it is. No, this is all about him advancing in his career. It's not about, you know, making a statement for anybody. It's about him. And is he angry at WWE? Absolutely. Is he very bitter at WWE? Absolutely. I told you in the past what I thought led to it as well, because some of the timing was on point. But I will leave everybody with this. I don't think everything that he's doing is him just being bitter and angry. This is to push his agenda. And I would not buy into every little bit of him. You know, people kept calling him unhinged over the top. I don't think he's unhinged. I think he's pissed, but I also think that part of this is stage, without a doubt. Now, he'll never admit it because if he admits it, then his whole, you know, his whole career is pretty much a fraud. But again, when he wanted the t-shirt design and the best artist out there says, hey, I'll do it for nothing, and he don't respond, there's a lot of people out there that will promise things and want things, and say things, and do, and really all they're doing is because they want to be tweet fucked. They want to keep their name out there. They want to feel involved with something. Yeah, 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 I'll do this. And everybody, oh, you now you're included in the discussion with everyone else, and then you don't do it. It's just people, some people don't like being left out. ACH does not want to be left out in the conversation right now. So he will say whatever is necessary to get him the most buzz. Now, why do I say a lot, a lot of this, I believe, is gimmick? 
Some people I don't know. You know, Jordan Miles today said that Jordan Miles is his slave name. If you do a little digging, Jordan Miles in a Q&A a while back admitted that he is the one that chose the name Jordan Miles. And the reason why he chose that name is because he used Jordan for Michael Jordan, who is his hero. Michael Jordan, a basketball player, his hero. Miles was because we have an African-American Spider-Man. So that's where he came up with the name Jordan Miles. It's not a slave name. It's not a name that's coded for something from Africa or slaves from yesteryear. That's what he based the name on. Michael Jordan and the black Spider-Man. It's not racist. So, you know, again, I would not put too much emotion in what this guy's saying and doing right now. Um, if I was him, though, I would be very careful about coming off as this really, you know, militant person because he could keep saying, you know, I'm fighting for everybody. No, 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 no. You're, you're fighting for yourself. You're trying to advance your own agenda. Booker T, you know, didn't want to play the game and some others didn't want to play the game either. Not because they don't give a shit about the guy, but they kind of feel that the guy is using race to, you know, get more attention around him. I want to like ACH because he's a talented wrestler, not because he's a black wrestler. That's how I always looked at it. So we'll see what happens with ACH. Um, you know, but if I was a promotion out there, I would, you know, be very careful before signing this guy to any type of uh, significant deal. Because if you don't push him to the way that he expects to be pushed, is he going to accuse you of being racist? Is he going to start venting and cursing on social media? And then if you push him because you're afraid that he'll go off on you, that's just as bad. So he's got to be very careful. I, I don't want to see this guy fail. I want to see this. The guy is obviously very talented, but he you can't just say, oh, well, that's just WWE. They're the ones that are racist. Everyone else is not. Can't trust that because if the guy goes into your promotion and he's talented as a motherfucker and doesn't get a title, it doesn't go far enough. Look, look how he went off on, on um, what's his face? Jay Lethal, my God, I've watched Jay Lethal's career since day one, and I'm forgetting his name, brain fart, it's late. But look how he went after Jay Lethal, and that felt like jealousy because Jay Lethal went further in ROH than him. It's what it felt like. So he's got to be careful because if I was a promoter, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near him right now because how much of that is real and how much of that is gimmick? And... You don't win either way because if he tells you privately, oh, no, no, this, I'm, this is real. I'm really pissed off at WWE. Then I got to worry about being accused of being racist because I don't push the guy. Then if he tells me privately, no, look, I'm just doing this to get some buzz. You know, it's not real. I'm not. Then I got to worry that he's to push his own agenda. He's going to throw the race card at me. So I would be very, very concerned if I'm a promoter hiring this guy. So with that said, I am done, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Wednesday Night Dynamite. Holy shit, I get to finish before midnight tonight. Awesome. 
So follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. The website, dontony.com. If you're on Patreon, remember tomorrow around 2 p.m. Eastern, Mish and I will be doing breakfast soup. And this weekend, I will be doing blah, 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 which is a non-wrestling show that's on Patreon as well. If you're out there and you want to give our Patreon page a shot and check out all the exclusive content there, it is patreon.com slash dontony. Five bucks. That's all you need to spend, and you get everything. Not only do you get the shows I just mentioned, but you get the whole library that's up there as well. Mish and I have done about 90 episodes of Breakfast Soup. Kev Castle has got a solo show. He's done about 90 episodes. We got Friday's show that we do live after SmackDown. I have my solos. There's so much content there. And obviously, our Patreon is so we could pay the bills. And if we have a couple of dollars left over, we could go out and you know buy some sodas with it. Or in my case, flavored water, because I'm on keto. So, all right, everybody, enjoy the rest of the week. Check me out on Twitter, at DonTonyD. Don't forget, Thursday night, 9.30 p.m., you have Wrestling Soup. I know Joe Numbers and Draper are going to be on there with Mish, and I don't think they have spoke publicly yet about the Full Gear pay-per-view, so I'm sure they're going to have a lot to say. And, uh... You know, it's cool. If you tune into our Patreon show tomorrow, we'll probably get the NXT and AEW ratings during the show. And like I said, I think the rating difference this week for AEW is only going to be about twenty to 30,000. And the way it's progressing, I think NXT has an excellent shot at defeating AEW in the ratings this week. Or if they count their cards correctly, they will defeat AEW in the ratings next week. This week or next week, it would be very surprising to me if NXT doesn't overtake. So we'll see what happens. But um, I don't look, I don't care who wins in the ratings. They both put on good shows since I watched them at the same time. Again, more entertainment for me, more entertainment for you, and good for the wrestlers. So. All right, everybody, I'm out of here. And if you want to send your feedback, by all means, tell me what you agreed with. Tell me where I'm wrong. I always listen to everybody, and I respect your opinions as long as you respect mine, too. Take care, everyone. Be well. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Son, oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. Son, oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don, oh my. You can have fun. You really are. <laughs> Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. New to Medicare? Go to myhealthpolicy.com. With myhealthpolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. Myhealthpolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com